once again. They would help us to understand your word and what your truth is. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we know that your word is truth. And as we're going to see in Hebrews chapter 1, that you spoke through your son and that your son is superior. And Father, he is uh, one that is truly the son of God, God in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we ask that tonight as we look at this chapter, it's an important chapter for us, that we would be attentive to what it is that you want to tell us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, when the people, as we read in Numbers chapter 11, complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. And then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabera because of the fire of the Lord had burned among them. So as we pick up Numbers chapter 11, one of the things that I've always passed along to you is I've said as we go through the Old Testament, a lot of times in the Old Testament what we have is an illustration of what is the truth in the New Testament. And you recall that as Paul the Apostle was writing uh, from prison in Rome, he's chained to a Roman guard, one of the books that he wrote was the book of Philippians, or the epistle to the Philippian believers. And as he was writing that letter, part of the prison epistles, along with Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, that the whole theme of Philippians is joy. Paul is talking about joy and rejoicing in the Lord always. And understand that Paul was in difficult circumstances. He was again in Rome under house arrest, waiting to go on trial before Caesar Nero. He was chained to a Roman guard, we know that, and he didn't know what his fate was going to be. But one of the things, as Paul writes to the Philippian believers, he says, is for the furtherance of the gospel, and don't be concerned about me, because some of the palace guard are getting saved. And he goes on to write to them about how it's the Lord's will that he would be in that situation. And in Paul the Apostle, amazing man, as we see used of God in a powerful way, but Paul was one that not only served in, in great faithfulness and humility, but he never complained, even though he went through tremendous difficulty and persecution and trials and tribulations. And at that time that he's writing to the Philippian believers, in chapter 2 he writes about how we ought to esteem others better than ourselves and, and that you ought to look out not only for your own interest but for the interest of others. And then he talks about the ultimate example, and that was Jesus, who did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself... Uh, or came in the form of man, he became a bondservant and was obedient to death, even to death on the cross. And how he's going to, he is exalted Jesus, where every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And so he, he runs through all that, talking about the humility of Jesus and then the exaltation of Jesus, because he is equal with God. He is the Son of God who came and died for you and for me and rose again. But then Paul goes on and writes about how we are to be ones that work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And he says, it is God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And then he says something very significant. He says, do all things without complaining and murmuring. And that truth that is there in the book of Philippians is illustrated here in chapter 11 now of Numbers. We see here that as the people are, are in the wilderness wandering, Remember that Numbers is going to cover a time span of about 38 years of their wilderness wandering. A totality, they were out there in the wilderness for 40 years. And so as Numbers is recording this, 
here in, uh, or the book is recording all the events that took place out there, or many of the events that took place out in the wilderness wandering. One of the things that we see very clearly as we go through the book of Numbers is why they spent 40 years out there in the wilderness. And it was because of their unbelief and because of their complaining and their murmuring. And so chapter 11, we see that they're complaining. And we're going to see what it is that they're complaining about. Chapter 12, we're going to see that they're going to be complaining. Chapter 16, we're going to see that they're going to be complaining. And we're going to see that in chapter 13, they're going to be complaining as well and murmuring and full of unbelief. So some very important chapters here. And one of the things that we're going to see here, if you get anything out of this tonight... That is this in verse 1, that when the people complained that the Lord heard it first of all, and then second of all, it displeased the Lord. They were complaining, and the Lord heard it, and then it displeased the Lord. And we are, are a people, it's our, our human nature, our sinful nature, that we are ones that we like to complain. We live in a society where we like to complain. And here we're going to learn some very valuable lessons about how God sees complaining, how uh, he deals with it, and then what it is that our hearts are to be like when it comes to that kind of thing. So Christians can be ones that can complain as well. Now here's the thing to understand. Paul the Apostle, the, the wonderful example that went through so much and in prison, and yet he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I, again, I say rejoice. Talking about the joy of the Lord over and over again in that book, do all things without murmuring and complaining. The same phraseology that we see here in the book of Numbers. They were complaining, they were murmuring, and it goes together. You complain, you murmur, murmur, murmur. That word is a good word, you know, murmuring, murmuring, complaining. And we know what complaining is. And here the children of Israel, they have been free from Egypt. The bondage and slavery of Egypt, they had the whips that were on their backs. They were working every single day. They were working under the hot, blistering sun. And the Lord freed them from all of that, promised them that they were going to be given a new land flowing with milk and honey, the land that I swore to your fathers, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had the promise of God, the presence of God that was in their camps. And we've seen how the Lord would then give them the law and establish his covenant with them and said that you're a special people unto me. And they were unique where they had the presence of the Lord in the middle of their camp. And they had the tabernacle that was given to them. And they constructed it. And they had the priestly ministry with the sacrifices. And, and they had the civil law and the ceremonial laws that were given to them. All these things that we've seen. They were given the order in which they were to set up camp and to break camp. The Levites had their responsibilities given to them as they were to assist the priests in the ministry there at the tabernacle. They had manna that came from heaven that would feed them in the wilderness. They had water that came from a rock. And so here the Lord had protected them from the Egyptian army as he would drown those Egyptian uh, chariots and soldiers that pursue them. They had so much. They had seen the miracles of God, but here they are complaining. And God got angry, and in his righteous anger, fire would consume some of the outskirts. And why would God get angry at that? Because as they were complaining here, they're really complaining against God, where God has them, what God has done for them, his provision for them. And so it reflected badly on him. You see, when a Christian has that spirit of complaining and murmuring and a spirit of, of 
just being critical all the time, it reflects badly on the Lord and what he is doing in your life. I understand we go through hurts and we go through difficulties and times where we get frustrated, but when it's that continual complaining and murmuring and we forget about how much the Lord has blessed us and what he's blessed us with, that is with the Son, Jesus Christ, who has forgiven us because of his atoning work on the cross, because we are ones that have salvation, we are ones that have relationship with the Father. We don't want to forget about that. And as Christians, we see in the scriptures, it says over and over again that we are to have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. And I understand that we have those times where we begin to falter and fade. I can grumble just like anybody else. But I also know that there are times where I need to turn away from that and stop it and don't be reflecting badly on the Lord and remember the understanding that the Lord has blessed me so, with so much. But it can be a rut that we can get into where we're complaining and murmuring. That was what was going on. You see, if you're a Christian that you just complain against this and that and trivial things and coming into work or to your family or whatever it might be, to others who are on, on the outskirts on the outskirts, they wonder about Christianity. Maybe not saved and they're on the outskirts and you're complaining. It begins to consume them. And pretty soon they're thinking, why should I become a Christian? Because I'm just going to complain like you. What's, there's, you know, why is there such a blessing in being a Christian? You don't seem to be very blessed to me. You see what I'm saying? So we need to be careful in that. And so there was fire that went throughout the outskirts of the camp. And, and it's interesting, you can look at that in two ways. Number one is that sometimes, as this, this complaining was beginning to spread throughout the camp here, and, and it was Moses that would uh, call out, and, and he would cry out to the Lord as the Lord would quench, uh, quench that fire that was spreading throughout the camp on the outskirts and stuff. You see, that's what complaining and murmuring does, doesn't it? And it's interesting that in James, in his epistle, he likens our tongues as a fire. In his epistle, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. It, it defiles the whole body. That little six ounces of muscle that's in our mouths can be like a fire and be very deadly. And it begins to just speak and it begins to tear down and complain and murmur. And, and murmuring, complaining constantly has negative effects on people. It has a negative effects on those perhaps on the outskirts that, you know, perhaps are wondering about Christianity or just getting saved and, and thinking, you know, Christianity is a wonderful thing and here's a Christian that's murmuring and complaining. But also we can look at it at this, that those on the outskirts that were being burned here, perhaps they were the ones that were doing the murmuring and complaining. And I know that sometimes when there are those who are just kind of on the outskirts, they, they come in, they're not really engaged in service to the Lord, they're not really um, interested in pursuing the things of God, they just come in with a critical spirit. Well, I'm just going to come in and, and see how the worship was and the teaching and I didn't like this and I didn't like the donuts and all of this. You, you know, it gets to be... Pretty soon, it, 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 you know, it starts to spread and, and trivial things become important. And so we want to keep things in perspective and, and that's what can happen is complaining can be contagious. Didn't we talk about that in Matthew chapter 26? You remember when it was 
Mary that, that broke that alabaster box over the head of Jesus and anointed him for his burial. And we know from John's gospel, it was Judas that first said, hey, why did you do that? That was a waste. That was valuable, expensive, fragrant oil. And, and that could have been sold to the poor and, 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 and given to the poor the money or the, the oil, the perfume sold and given to the poor. He wasn't interested in the poor. He wanted to steal the money. And, and then when the other disciples, according to Matthew's gospel, heard that, they said, yeah, that's right. That was a waste. We could have sold that fragrant oil and given it to the poor. And Jesus rebuked them. And you see, what can happen is somebody begins to murmur and complain, and then it begins to spread like fire, and it begins to spread and, and consume others, and everybody gets involved in it. And that's why it's so dangerous, and that's why it's so displeasing to the Lord. And so here was this complaining that was going on in verse 4. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We even remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers and melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And, but now our whole being is dried up, and there's nothing at all except as manna before our eyes. Now the manna was like colorander seed, and the color like the color of uh, uh, deluum. And the people went about and gathered it on the ground, on it millstones, or beat it on, in the mortar, cooked it in the pans, made cakes of it, and its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. And so here, you remember the mixed multitude, as it is mentioned here, the mixed multitude. Who were the mixed multitude? Exodus chapter 12, verse 38. The mixed multitude were those who were not of the children of Israel. Some of them would come out. Probably a lot of the mixed multitudes were not just Egyptians that married um, Hebrews, but a lot of them were also slaves that were in Egypt from other nations. And they got freed from the slavery as well, and they said, hey, we're going to hang out with you guys. We're not staying here in Egypt. So they would go out with the children of Israel. So apparently this complaining started with the mixed multitude and then would spread to the children of Israel. And what is it that they're complaining about? They're complaining against God's provision, the manna. Now the manna that came from heaven, as you recall in the books of Exodus, that was told to us, and they would go out and gather enough for their daily supply, and then on the sixth day they would gather two days. But they would make, all, make it in all kinds of ways. They ground it on millstone, verse 8. They beat it in the mortar, cooked it in pans, made cakes of it. Its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. They were tired of the manna. We've made manna bread. We've made, you know, manna splits for desserts, all this stuff going on, and they were just tired of it. So they're complaining against the Lord in his provision here. And it started with the mixed multitude. I know that I am going down the wrong road or mindset and have the wrong heart when I begin to complain about God's provision. When I begin to complain about God's goodness and where he has me. It's when I forget about the blessings that I have in the Lord and the promises that are mine. That I'm no longer in bondage to the world, no longer in bondage to sin. And that's why we're told in the scriptures, I have a heart of thanksgiving, and it's a real key for us, and we need to learn to be content. Sometimes we can complain against the, the silliest things, and sometimes I have to stop. I've told this story before. I remember it was a few years ago, and I was in one of the Sunday school rooms. It was before a Wednesday service, and, 
and it was a mess left from Sunday and the kids and there's paper everywhere and those little sparkly things. Those are the worst. And they were all over the floor and, um, you know, one of the kids had taken a marker and marked on the wall and, and all of this. And I was vacuuming in there and thinking, who did this? I am going to talk to the, you know, and I bet I know is this little guy and, and just murmuring, complaining. And the Lord spoke to me and said, why are you complaining? You know, that's the reason why you have vacuum cleaners and you have rags and cleaning things. He said, you know, I can have somebody else pastor this church. And that's still small voice. And you see how we can do that in so many ways and different ways and rather than being thankful that any of the children come. Being thankful that we have a church family and what the Lord has done and they're there. So what, a, you know, they make a mess. They're learning of the Lord. And they keep things in proper perspective. And that's one of the things the Lord is still working in my heart. And it's so important for us to understand how much complaining, we know that. How it can drag people down and bring people down. It just has, again, it's negative effects whether it's in the family and how you talk to your spouse and how you talk to your kids and how you treat them. Are you complaining and murmuring about everything and tearing them down rather than building them up and being edifying? And I understand there's a difference between complaining and having concerns and even confronting if there is sin or there needs to be correction. I understand. I think all of us know what complaining and murmuring is. And that's one of the things that I constantly have to be careful of. And again, because of the human nature that we can get into, just complain and murmur. And, and I have to go back and apologize to my wife and I have to apologize to my kids. I'm sorry that I complained about dinner. And you know what, kids? Tonight... You're not going to complain about the Brussels sprouts. We're going to eat them and receive them with thanksgiving. And you're going to thank your mother that you made it. You see? And I'm serious. Oh, I think I might hear about that one again. Because she cares about us. She loves us and she cares about our health. And it's good for us. And I like them. I really do. But you know what I mean. Because, you know, if the kids say something, then I can say something, and, and then it goes from there. I, I better change this. But, <laughs> but in, in any things, we can, we can begin to complain and, and murmur and, and start bringing people down. It can happen at the workplace. Somebody at work is complaining and murmuring, and then it starts to spread, and we're going to talk about the boss, and we're going to you know, tear him down and complain about all these things that can happen in a church. And the Lord is making it very clear as we go through numbers that it displeases him and he hears it. And so as this, this manna they were complaining about, verse 10, then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent, and anger the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? 
where I am to get meat to give all, to all these people. For they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat that we may eat. Am I not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me? And verse 15, If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now if I have found favor in your sight and do not let me see my wretchedness. So God is angry. Moses is upset. He's frustrated. He says, Lord, you've called me to this ministry. I've been faithful to it. You've called me to, to carry these people the burdens and, and on and to carry them like a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to your fathers. And I've been faithful in doing that, but they're all over me. And notice here that it says that they were crying. They were crying out each one in, in their own tents. Now when you have one person that comes in and begins to complain and murmur in, in a home or in a workplace or in a church, that's hard enough, isn't it? But can you imagine three million people? all at their tents with this cry. And that's what we're going to see over and over again as we go through numbers, that they let out a big cry, how that must have sounded, that we want meat, and how hard that must have been on Moses. Absolutely, it, it was very difficult to the point where the Lord said, listen, I can't deal with this, is what Moses says to the Lord. And if I have, to, this is the way it's going to be, just kill me now. He's handing in his resignation letter here. One of the things that will kill a ministry, one of the things that is more discouraging to a pastor or ministry leader is when there is murmuring and when there's complaining. And I have heard and I have seen how it's killed churches and the work of the Lord, it stops and, and it just brings people down and people get discouraged. You've talked to people, I've talked to people, hey, why don't you go to church? Because I belong to a church where there was so much complaining and murmuring that was going on, I wouldn't even go anymore. And I know pastors that have gotten out of the ministry because they could not deal with the murmuring and complaining that was taking place. Now, I am very thankful that I belong to a church and have that there isn't a bunch of murmuring and complaining. There's, no church is perfect. There's always going to be something like that. And I am so thankful that for the most part, for by far the most part, that people are very gracious and, and caring and loving here and support the ministry. But there's always been a few that come in and murmur and complain, and they don't like this, they don't like that decision. I try to, as much as I can, folks, to give you very little to complain about. <laughs> I really do. And God has done a wonderful work here. And he's provided for us, and we have a wonderful building. It's not the Crystal Cathedral, but he hasn't called us to have that. And we have a comfortable place, and it's a loving church family, and we're going through the scriptures, and we have people that are ministering, being faithful to that. We have so much to be thankful for here at Calvary Chapel. And I pray that we would always be thankful for that and, and seek the Lord and that we would be ones that would continue in what he's called us to do. And I think that's one of the reasons why we don't have the murmuring and complaining that takes place, you know, that just begins to spread and consume the ministry. It's because we're focused on teaching the word of God and praying and being in fellowship and breaking bread and, and those things are, which are very important to encourage and uplift each other. And I hope that it continues that way. But I would not pastor a church 
where it is dominated by murmuring and complaining. I just wouldn't do it. It is too difficult, and it is too hard. And I've seen it again, kill many of ministers in their, what they, God has called them to do because of it. And that's why God takes this very seriously. And here is Moses. He's saying, that's it. If this is the way it's going to be, then you might as well just kill me, God, right now because I don't even want to deal with this. It's a miserable place to be for a church or for a person to be murmuring and complaining all the time. And so here Moses says, do not let me see my wretchedness. Moses kind of needed to see his wretchedness to understand that he couldn't fix the problem here. That God is the one that he is to turn to and trust him. And so we continue to see in verse 16, So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle meeting, that they may stand there with you. And then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone." God's saying, I'm going to call for these leaders, the 70 elders. And just a little side note, when we talked about Jesus standing before the religious council, the Sanhedrin council, there were 70 members. That's where they get this from. thought you'd be interested in that. But God is saying, here's 70 elders. I'm going to empower them. I'm going to fill them with the Holy Spirit to, to help you, Moses, so you don't carry this burden by yourself. That's the thing, again, that we've been talking about quite extensively and going through our studies lately. It's this thing called the church. And here at Calvary Chapel, the ministries that take place, it isn't all about me and the burden all on me. God has called me to be in the study of God's word, to be in prayer, to, to be serving the people in, in, in those kinds of ways. It doesn't mean that I won't clean the bathroom or mow the lawn. But as the church grows and you get three, four hundred people, I can't do everything. And that's why you come along and you who have been so faithful and, and those who are on staff that help in the administrative and the teaching and cleaning and all these other things. One of the things that we're going to be facing next month is Pastor Darrell and Nevada are going to be saying goodbye to us. And so a lot of the things that Pastor Darrell did in very practical ways that there's going to be opportunity for others to come along and step into that roles. I mean, he, he was over at an elderly uh, couple's house today putting in grab bars in the, in the bathroom so that, you know, that would be a blessing to them. Those are those kinds of things. And it isn't that I'm not willing to do that. But to try to get to everything, the body of Christ coming together, sharing the burden and using your gifts and all that. We got opportunities to come in and mow the lawn. I love mowing the lawn. I love sitting on a tractor. <laughs> but I'm not always able to get to it. And so it's opportunity for those things and to be able to serve in different areas. And here, Moses, you don't have to carry all this on yourself. There's going to be 70 filled with the Holy Spirit that is going to help you in your situation and, and, and carry the ministry so you're not burying it alone. And so verse 18, Then you shall say to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow shall eat meat, for you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt, therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. And you shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, because you have despised the Lord who is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why did we ever come up out of Egypt? He says, You want meat? You're going to get meat. 
Not for a few days, but for a whole month. And so God here actually is going to be, he's going to be chastening them. Judgment is going to come to them. It's going to, you're going to eat it to where it's going to come out of your nostrils. And so you're going to have so much meat because you're craving Egypt. You're craving Egypt. And I brought you out of Egypt. One of the things that the enemy will do is come along and to sometimes when a Christian you know, comes into the faith and, and pretty soon they've lost their you know, old friends and they don't do the things they used to. And sometimes there's that temptation. Boy, I want to go hang out with the old friends and go do the old things. And we had a few good times and all of this, but you don't remember you know, the kickbacks, the bondage that you were in, the depression you were in, and, and all the consequences of that. And you need to understand that. Satan's very subtle. Go back to the world. Go back and hang out with the old friends. You had some good times, didn't you? Here they're saying we had melons and onions and leeks and all these other things, and, and now we got this manna, and God's got us out there in this wilderness. But they had forgotten about the bondage they were in and the slavery and, and all of this, the negative repercussions of being in Egypt, and you and I need to understand that the world, it, it'll scream at you, here's some pleasure and stuff, but it's deceptive. And you'll be in bondage to sin and to the worldly pleasures rather than living freely for the Lord. So that's why it's important not to be giving in to the subtle temptations of the enemy trying to pull you back into those things. You want meat, he says, you're going to have meat. Verse 21, and Moses would say to, uh, and Moses said, the people whom I am among are 600,000 men on foot. You, you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month? Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, Has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. Verse 23 I have underlined. I love this. Moses is going, Okay, there's going to be meat for a whole month. I got 600,000 soldiers, you know, Three million people in totality. How are we going to eat meat for a whole month? Is it going to be we're going to go slaughter all our herds? Remember, they got sheep and oxen and, and goats and things like that. Are we going to slaughter all of them or are we going to go over to the sea and catch a bunch of fish? What's it going to be, A or B? And God says, neither. He says, neither. He says, is my arms short that I can't work in this situation? Now you're going to see what I can do. One of the things that, as Christians, we'll go through God's Word and we'll see the promises and the commandments that are there. We see the principles that are spelled out to us. And, and sometimes it comes to decision time. Are we going to follow after the Lord and trust Him? And sometimes we don't understand how the Lord, when He guides us, how it is that He's going to provide for us. And I've talked to many Christians in that. Okay, I'm a Christian at work. I'm going to conduct myself in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to cut corners. I'm not going to have dishonest scales in my business, any of those things. And pretty soon you're thinking, well, in my workplace, maybe I won't get that promotion. Or in my business, I'll I'll lose some business or dealings and stuff. But know that God's going to honor you as you say, you know what, Lord, you promise that you'll provide for me and bless as I give my work and my business to you. Whatever it might be in, in ministry, as we do the church, we want to do everything we can to honor the Lord. I know that God's going to provide for us. 
but even in our own lives, in every area of our lives. I don't know how many people that I've had over the years that are like, okay, I know I'm living with my boyfriend or I'm living with a girlfriend, you know, the guy, and, and we're, we shouldn't be doing that. And, but, you know, it's, I don't know what is going to happen if, we, if I move out, and I know that's what the Lord wants me to do. And they shorten the arm of the Lord. They know that as you honor God in the decisions that you make, that He's going to provide for you, and He's going to, He's going to work and show Himself strong on your behalf. But to make excuses and to, to say, I'm not going to do that because I can't figure out how it's going to work out practically, I pray as Christians that that's where we understand faith comes in and trust comes in of our Lord, that you are true to your word and promises, Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? In this case for Moses, it's like, okay, Lord, you said you're going to bring meat. Is it? Do we slaughter our herds? Do we do this? He says, no, you're going to see what it is that I'm going to do. When God gives you a command and a principle and a truth in his word and you follow that, know that he's going to provide for you. He's going to work in a way that he's going to show that his word is true to you. But you honor him and you walk in that obedience is what I'm trying to say. Because God is a big God that can work in many different ways. And so how does he work? Well, verse 24, So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took out of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. But the two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Meddad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of the choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. And then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. Now next week we're going to see that Moses' brother Aaron and his sister Miriam are going to come against him and complain against him. Then we're going to see in chapter 16 the congregation of Israel is going to come against him, or the leaders of the congregation. And then chapter 13, the whole congregation is going to complain against him. One of the things that they will hurl an accusation at Moses is, you take too much upon yourself, Moses. We're special too. We want to hear from God. Moses was the most humble man. Here he's ready to hand in his resignation, and, and here he's, he's asking for help in these 70 elders that the Spirit of God came upon them, and they're prophesying. Now there's two others out in the camp that are prophesying. Somebody comes and tells Joshua, Moses' assistant, hey, these two guys... You know, they're out in the camp, they're prophesying there. What do we do with them? Eldad and Medad. And Joshua goes to Moses, tell him to stop. And Moses said, why? Why? Are you so zealous for me, Joshua? I'm not here to, to just be the grand poobah of everything and, and be all dictatorial and rule with a heavy hand. I want to be humble in my ministry. And I pray that all would prophesy that belong to the Lord. And that's really my heart, that I want to see you guys ministering, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
doing the work of the Lord, what he's called you to do with the spirit of joy and thanksgiving and, and trusting the Lord and edifying and encouraging is a whole lot better than murmuring and complaining going on, isn't it? So Moses says, that's what I want really going on. That's what needs to happen. And so verse 31, now the wind went out from the Lord and brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp about a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side all around the camp and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. And the people stayed up all that day, all night, and all the next day and gathered the quail. He who gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. So he called the name of the place uh, Kibroth, Hatava, because they were buried, the people who had yielded craving from Kiproth Hatava, the people moved to Hazaroth and camped at Hazaroth. A couple of things that we close here. Number one was that the Lord brought quail into the camp. They came flying in. And they would eat the quail. So many quail came in. This is where they were coming in about two cubics high. It's about that high. This is where baseball was invented because each one had ten homers. They were just kind of maybe knocking those things as they come in the camp. Just kidding. Couldn't resist that one. Actually, a homer is five and a half, about five and a half bushels is what scholars believe. So each person, as these quails came crashing into the camp, got at least 55 bushels of quail. That's a lot of quail. They're coming from everywhere. If you want meat, you're going to have meat. And they were so carnal, they were chewing on it. And as they were chewing on you know, this quail, the meat between their teeth, this plague went throughout the camp. I want to close with this. You want to go back to Egypt? Carnality? Where we crave it so much that it will just plague your life is what will happen. It'll plague your life to where it's not good and the consequences and the repercussions are just terrible. And so here they were, you know, so much lust and carnality, murmuring and complaining against the provision of the Lord. I pray for us tonight that as any of us have come into this place that we've been in a spirit of murmuring and complaining against the Lord's provision and maybe the Lord hasn't worked in a way that we thought. Maybe that, that, you know, there are other things that are going on, but you just kind of got in the spirit of murmuring, complaining, and nitpicking and all of this, that we would give it to the Lord and we would confess it. And remember how good the Lord has been to us. He's freed us from the world, Egypt. We're no longer in bondage to sin. We're no longer under the penalty of sin. He has atoned for our sins. We're forgiven people. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We're headed for heaven. I was reading in Ephesians this morning that Paul, he's praying for the Ephesian um, you know, believers, and he's saying, oh, that your eyes may be enlightened, that you may come to an understanding what is the hope you're calling. Heaven awaits us. We're blessed people. We have a church family that we belong to, that we can come and hear the word of God and encourage one another. There's love that's in this church. I mean, you guys, people love the fellowship. I can see it. I can feel it. And, I, and I'm very thankful because I know my family loves to be here. My kids love to be here. 
So I never want to get to a place where I'm just murmuring and complaining and belly aching and having that spirit, but having a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude for what Jesus Christ has done and the blessings that he's given to me and knowing that his promises are true and he's going to provide for me and he's going to work what is good in my life, everything. I may not understand it all the time. I may not have it figured out, but Lord, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be thankful for what you have blessed me with, my family, my, my ministry. Lord, thank you. And not get into the murmuring complaining that we're going to see that the children of Israel are going to get into. And not murmur against God's provision to learn to be content and to be thankful that you belong to him. Father, we thank you that we do belong to you. And Father, we, we thank you that we're reminded of these things, important principle, do all things without murmuring and complaining. And Lord, we live in a society where we can do that. Forget about how we've been blessed. We forget about how, Lord, how much you love us and how you've worked for us. And so, Father, I pray that if there's any of us that are here tonight, any of us that we've had that spirit of murmuring and complaining lately, or Lord, you spoke to our hearts that, Father, that you would be ones that right now, that out of your love, that we would just be able to confess it and give it to you and put it under the blood of Jesus. That we would learn to be thankful and content, trust you that you're going to work in our lives. That, Lord, that we would be a blessing to others as we encourage them and uplift them in our homes to our spouses, to our children, to our, our co-workers, people we go to school with, whoever it might be, to other brothers and sisters. And that we wouldn't engage in the spirit of murmuring and complaining at the workplace or even in the church, that we know that, first of all, that you hear it, and then, second of all, it displeases you. That, Lord, that we wouldn't have a carnality and a lust for the things of the world so much that we get tempted to get pulled back into it. Lord, we know that the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So your promise to us is to walk in the Spirit, and we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Lord, fill us with your Spirit. Fill us with your love. And, Lord, may we keep our eyes on you, stay close to you. Father, thank you for this night. We thank you for this chapter. As we just continue to worship, Lord, may we just have our hearts open to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.